0: well take your Bible and go to Acts chapter 10 and we'll begin there in just a moment good to see all of you on this Lord's day we're going through the book of Acts we come to Acts chapter 10 which is the continental divide of the book everything changes in chapter 10 this is the watershed of the gospel for the world up until this time the gospel has been mainly 95 percent Jewish, just a little rivulet or two here and there where you see the Gentiles coming. But here, there is a continental divide like our divide at the Rocky Mountains where the rivers run to the west and then rivers run to the Gulf Coast. We're grateful for that divide that waters uh, our continent. Well, this division brings a fresh spring of water not only to the Jew, but to the Gentiles. Now if you got a Bible, if you got a Bible, kind of wave it at me. You got a Bible in front of you? You got a Bible? All right, hey, that's good, amen, all right. You're gonna to need to keep your Bible open this morning because this is a long chapter and I'm gonna read all of it, but I'm going to read it in five different segments, then give four quick points, which is the sermon, which is very short. My time is not short, but the sermon at the end will be very short. It'll take us a while to work through this text, I want you to see that. And then four simple truths of the gospel and God at the end. Then we give a gospel invitation and invite you out of that balcony around on this ground floor to these wings to come. Give me your hand. Give God your heart. Come be saved. Come join his church. As God extends his call, just like these girls felt the spirit of God to come stand by their sister, then as God calls you, you come this very morning. Launching the gospel to the world is Acts chapter 10, and we'll read it in five segments. I'll read a segment, make just a few quick comments, go to the second segment, and make some comments. I've named each of these segments, and so we will see them together. If you're ready, say amen. Here we go. We begin, first of all, with what I call the prospect in verses 1 through 8 of Acts chapter 10. You listen and follow along, because this now is the word of our great god now there was a man at caesarea named cornelius a centurion of what was called the italian cohort a devout man and one who feared god with all his household and gave many alms to the jewish people and prayed to god continually about the ninth hour of the day he clearly saw a vision Uh, he saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him Cornelius it's got an exclamation point after it all right and fixing his gaze on him, and being much alarmed. If you saw an angel, you'd be much alarmed. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa, and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea." When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So here is the prospect this is the lost man. Uh, This is a soldier, a commander of 100 Roman soldiers of Italian background, of an Italian cohort. This is a devout man, the Bible says. This is a man that prays. This is a generous man. This is a man who does right rather than wrong, but this is a lost Gentile man. And at that ninth hour, Cornelius uh, has this encounter with an angel. And the angel said, send some men down to Joppa. Caesarea is a Roman city named after Caesar. Herod had built it there, and it's right on the seacoast. And he says, send from Caesarea down to Joppa 30 miles. Send these attendants to go find one named Peter and bring him back here. The prospect for the gospel has this encounter with an angel. Then we pick up the text in verse 9 and read through verse 23 in what I call the picture. The picture. Romans 10 verse 9. On the next day as they were on their way, this is the group that that Cornelius had sent. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the house, housetop about the sixth hour to pray. That's noon. Uh, but he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, somebody's fixing lunch, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowering by the four corners of the ground. And there was in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time, what God is cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, Behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. But get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I'm the one you're looking for. What is, it, what is the reason for which you have come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous man, a God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. And on the next day, he got up and went away with them. And some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied them. So you're getting the story. The prospect is in Caesarea. He has this encounter with an angel. Send and get Peter. They send those men down six, 30 miles. And as they knock at the gate, Peter is on the housetop of Simon the Tanner. He's hungry. But he falls into a trance. And he sees a sheet coming down, uh, coming down out of heaven. And he looks into that sheet. And there's every kind of animal, bird. And God says, eat. Peter's hungry. He said, No. I've never eaten some of this. It's unholy. Lord, there's a there's a ham in there. I'm not eating it. Shrimp, no. God said, what I've made clean is clean. There's nothing unholy. You see, the, the world is changing in front of Peter's eyes. He talks to the men, why have you come? Our leader, the centurion, Cornelius, is sent for you. Come and go with us. The picture of the gospel is in that sheet. Don't miss it. Thirdly, is what I call the principle. The principle begins in verse 24 down through verse 33. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. They have walked back 30 miles back up the seacoast. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. He had a big crowd gathered up. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter raised him up saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. And as he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Underline that. That's the principle of the gospel going to the world. Verse 29. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask for what reason you have sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago at this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Here's the principle. It's being laid out. Peter saw the the picture. Now the principle is here up in verse 28. God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Listen, church, no one is beyond the reach of Calvary. The gospel is for all. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And Peter, who has been in this Jewish mindset, only for that, now he is seeing the gospel principle open up from this picture of the sheet that he saw then there's the preaching that begins in verse 34 opening his mouth <laughs> what an uncouth phrase for the Bible opening you can't preach unless you open your mouth and opening his mouth Peter said I most certainly understand now that God is Not one to show partiality. But in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Hallelujah. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible not to all the people, but to witness who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness. Mm -mm -mm. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, the name of Jesus, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. That's the preaching of the gospel. And here Peter preaches the anointing one of Jesus who went about doing good. You hung him on a cross. God raised him up. And everyone who will believe will receive forgiveness of their sin. And then comes in the fifth portion of the text, the promise, the great promise in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the man. He didn't even get to the invitation, and people started getting saved. He hadn't even told them what to do yet. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Sure, no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked him to stay on. A few days and there we find that great promise he's preaching the gospel and the Spirit of God falls they're baptized they're saved they believe they speak in tongues just like the Jews did in Acts chapter 2 and Peter says we see the promise we see the power we see the Spirit we cannot but believe we can't do anything but baptize these like we were baptized. And down in the water, they're right there on the seashore. And they are baptized, following after Jesus. It is the watershed chapter of all of Acts. Things are different from here. Not completely changed. it be Acts 15 before it is official. But in Acts 10, the continental divide comes and the gospel is for all. Four truths of God in the gospel I want to draw to this text. Give an invitation, invite you to come out of that balcony around and you come and say yes to Christ today. Four truths, I want you to see. Jot these down. Here we go. Number one, God places no person beyond the gospel. No one, no person that's ever lived or will live or lives today is beyond the reach of Calvary. Amen. No one, God has placed no one beyond the gospel. It is good news for all for God. So what did you say a while ago? He loved the word that He, he gave. And what did He give? His Son. But whosoever would believe would not perish and go to hell, but would everlasting life. Church, never forget this. God places no person beyond. We sometimes place people beyond the gospel. We think, well, God could never save him. Be reminded, if God save Saul, make the apostle Paul out of him, he can save anybody. Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, If God can save you, he can save anybody. You filthy wretch, you. You got to get over your own righteousness and come to the righteousness of Calvary in order to be saved. God places no person beyond the gospel. Truth number two, God does not show partiality. Hmm. Verse 34, he says it right here. I most certainly understand now. Peter said that God is not one to show partiality. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 11 for there is no partiality with God. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 6. But from those who were of high reputation what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Amen. He shows no partiality. Now, we're partial. I preached twice in Mississippi in the last 10 days. I had to go up 45. I was in Starkville on Saturday. Do you know you can't hardly find anything to eat on 45 coming back? That's a desolate road. Until you get to... Bukatuna. I used to call it Bukatuna, but I was corrected by some Mississippiites. Bukatuna. I stopped in there three different times this week in the last 10 days. On the door of the only gas station and the only place to get a sandwich in Bukatuna is a sign on every door, not on one door. It's on going in and coming out. It's around here on this side. It's around on the other side by the restroom. There is a sign printed, and it says, you will be given no service unless you have your shirt on and your britches pulled up. That's what it said. They are partial. But I want you to hear this preacher today say that God loves people with low-hanging britches. And you ain't never heard that appear before. You don't have to like it. I don't like everybody I preach to. I don't like some of the sin they get into the ways they look. I'm just telling you, God changes anybody, everybody that'll come to him by faith. We went in that place. I did. I, I walked in there. God shows no partiality. It's not got to do with your breeches. It's got to do with your heart. I walked in there and walked over to the counter and told the lady I'd like a sandwich. She said, we're closed. I said, what? I oh, know. I said, there's nothing anywhere. And she said, well, if I don't have to put it on the grill, I'll fix it for you. I said, what do you got? And she said, well, I can make you a ham sandwich. Hell, I said, I'm going to preach out of Acts 10. And, <laughs> and so I'm all right. I said, I will take two of those. And while she is fit, man, it was great too. I mean, she put the mayonnaise and the lettuce and a big, big ripe Mississippi tomato. Put that sandwich together. I got the Holy Ghost nudge. I said, ma'am, you're about to go home. She's 20, 22 years old, maybe. She said, I said, you get any tips today? She said, no, I bet you don't get tips making sandwiches. So I tipped her 100 bucks, gave her a gospel track, shared with her. I went out the front door, and as I went out the front door, I looked back in, and she was going through the kitchen with a track in this hand, $100 in that hand, and she's going through there just like that. <laughs> Would she ever believe? I don't know. Did I like her? Absolutely not. She wouldn't fix me fried chicken. She wouldn't give me what I wanted. All she gave me was a cold cut sandwich. And God said, There's your prospect for today. My job was to simply be a steward of the goodness of God. I got outside and there was a African-American gentleman walked up to us. And he said, y'all love Jesus, don't you? He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Can I get praise? Well, we just had church right there in the gas station. There's been days here and there's been days in Mississippi that he and I couldn't go to church together. But God doesn't show partiality. Oh, you can beat that. God doesn't show partiality. Amen? Amen. Yes, sir. God places no person beyond the gospel. Secondly, God does not show partiality. Thirdly, God will forgive anyone who believes. Yes, He will. Verse 43 says it. Of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. If you believe, if you trust him, if you cast your care upon him, he will forgive your sin. He will wipe it as white as snow. Acts 4, Acts 4 and verse number 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven that has been given among men. By which we must be saved. Friend, there's just one way. It's not the best way. It's the only way. And it is the way for anyone who will come. God will forgive anyone who believes. If you'll come to Him, He will save you. And number four, God is creating a mosaic church. Now that's not a church that's full of people who look like Moses. A mosaic takes all kinds of pieces and puts it together. Galatians 3, 28 and 29 says there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free man. There is neither male or female for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise Jew Gentile part of the Mosaic slave or free part of the Mosaic male female part of the Mosaic God brings us together and makes us one amen You, you know those pictures you see of Jesus at the last supper He's there with all the Jews. Now there's a devil in there. Judas is there. That's not the kind of church that Jesus is building today. He's building a Mosaic church. It looks kind of like this. There's men and women there's Africans, Europeans, West Texans, Native Americans. You know, we change the names of ethnicity so much I get in trouble all the time. I just use the words I've used for the last 10 years, and then you can't say that anymore. Whoever all these folks are, that's what Jesus is doing. He's reaching over and getting a Cossack and a Canadian, the a Hispanic. Somebody from Alabama and Michigan, putting them all together. And he's making a mosaic church. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I like a lot of things about our church. I, I, some things we need to do better. Just one thing I, I, I really do, I, I like. You never know who you're going to be sitting next to or what you're going to sit next to you come to church here. Now, some of you sit in the same seat and couldn't be dynamited out of it, so you know who you're gonna be sitting next to. But but I mean, if you just came in and sat anywhere, you 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 don't know. You you may walk in and sit next to an executive making big six figures. Or you may sit next to a guy that's gonna have trouble making his power payment this month. You, you may come in and sit next to a surgeon. Or you may sit next to somebody that's been fighting cancer. You may sit next to a student that's four point plus. Or you may be sitting next to somebody that just barely gets by. You, you never know what you're going to sit next to. And I, I like that about our church. Now I really like our pastor's wife. I'm crazy about her. <laughs> I'm like some of y'all, but I'm telling you, what, what I really like about our church is, is that we are over this. There's just certain kind of folks that can come. If we ever get to the place that we say some people are not welcome here, we're out of business, and God's written Ichabod across the door. We're done. I remember 25, 26 years ago, there was an elderly lady in our church, and there was new people coming in. And she said this to me one day. She came and she said, "Pastor, I'm not sure about some of these people joining our church." I said, "What do you mean?" She said, "Well, you know, they're just not our kind." Hmm. Now back then, I was young and brash, not old and sweet like I am now. And, and I, I just said, well, I'm just going to tell you what I think about that. So I asked her a question. I said, well, what kind are you? And she said, well, I said, no, no, you said these are not our kind, so what kind are you? She said, you know what I mean. I said, no, ma'am, I don't know what you mean. I just know what you said, and there's only two kinds, lost and saved. And our job is to invite the lost to get saved. And if they get saved, that's my kind. And if you're not that kind, then maybe you need to find somewhere, well, anyway. (laughs) It breaks my heart anybody to leave this church. I don't want to. I believe I can see anybody come to change and get... But thank God that we, oh, may I just tell you all, just right quick, when we built this building, we didn't have a lot of African American people that came here, and we went over to West Florida, and we had one service to raise the money to build this building. And I preached as hard as I knew how to preach and I was raising money that day and let's give and pray and then I gave the invitation and we were in the basketball arena at University of West Florida and I gave the invitation and one man came forward. <laughs> He's a black gentleman. His wife now works for us as the receptionist at Olive Baptist Church, it's Rose, his husband. And I remember when I saw Albert walking, I said, Lord, I hadn't got time for this today. Somebody's going to ask me, but nobody ever did. That's just in my, and I, I'm so glad I can stand here today, and it doesn't matter what comes. You don't have to like everything, but I, I'm just telling you the gospel says. Everybody. Everybody. Even people from Jay. Anybody here from Jay? Say amen. 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 You bring peanuts in your pocket and come. Amen. If you think that's bad, we got a preacher from Pisk. They don't even have a red light. Man, they're fixing the red light out here. We never have that problem in Pisk. They never have to change out the red light in Pisk. We don't have one. Friend, if you're, if you're from crossroads country, or if you're from the city of New York, I'm telling you, the gospel is for you, and you are for us, and we are for you. That's the gospel. There's no partiality. The gospel says to Jew and Gentile come. Now listen. If you come to tear up a church or to make waves or to be a trouble we'd take you behind the building deal with you we, they, we're not talking about that if you come to bow at the foot of the cross and want to an know King Jesus I'm telling you you're welcome here you're welcome here well what happened to Cornelius the Bible doesn't tell us some church historians have written What they think happened. The most prominent story is that Cornelius, and I can just see it. Peter went up to him and put his arm around that. You know, Peter's a big guy, called a big fisher. He put his arm around Cornelius. And they walked out of the house. They're staying in Joppa. They're right on the seashore. And he walked out in the water. And he baptized Cornelius. In the Mediterranean. And others. Many others got baptized that day. Just like these two ladies today. It's the first time I've ever seen. Sean Pellet. Except when he's with Deshne. Be next to an angel. That's what he called that lady. Angel. He baptized an angel today. Well, Peter baptized a centurion. No rugged soldier. And some people in history say that he became the first bishop of the church in Caesarea. I don't think so. Some say so. It's the most prominent historical guess. Or maybe he went back to Rome after retirement and became a deacon in the church at Rome where Paul wrote that great Roman epistle. We don't know. Or maybe, and this is what I think happened, I think he stayed in Caesarea. I think he retired as a centurion from the Roman army, from leading the Italian cohort, and became the minister of military ministry at the First Baptist Church of Caesarea. That's what I think he did. I think he became the Mike Dimmick, of the church at Caesarea. You say, you can't prove that. Well, you can't prove he didn't. Somewhere, Cornelius went to work for the kingdom. Luke told his story in Acts 10, and it changed the setting and the history and the landscape of the church forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Don't forget they walked out and were baptized. Some of you need to be baptized. Some of you ought to come, take my hand, say, Priester, I'm, I'm ready to be baptized, just like these two ladies were baptized today. On the 11th day of September, we're going to have a service at 5 o'clock in the afternoon down at Casino Beach, and if you come, I'll baptize you in the Gulf of Mexico that afternoon. If you want to be baptized in salt water, you come, I'll baptize you in the Gulf. We're going to have a baptismal service there, September the 11th. You can remember that day. We'll put you under the water, or if it's a wavy day, we'll just kind of Time it and stand you up. (laughs) But we'll baptize you. Whoever believed, received. You need forgiveness of your sin today. If you'll call on the name of the Lord, he'd save you. You need a church today. You come, we receive you into this family this day in that balcony around it's going to take you a minute just when we start singing in a minute John's starting to sing then you just walk down come on if you're across this ground come just take me by the hand say pastor I give you my hand give God my heart it's the call of God in this place you say I don't oh hear me God's not partial he'll save anybody that'll come and cry out, and God draws you, and you say, I think that's what I need, then you come, we'll pray for you. You need to be baptized, come. need to join this church, come. Or you just need to come lay a burden at the altar. You come on this day. Oh, my goodness. Aren't you glad the gospel's for everybody? Amen. Amen. I mean, it really is. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be poor. You have to be big or small. He's got to have a heart turned toward God and the gospel is for you. The children in this room today ought to trust Jesus. Come, say yes to him. They're grown adults, ought to come, say yes to Jesus today. A whole family. Maybe there's a couple here, a husband and a wife. Maybe it's just one somebody you. You come and we'll help you. I'm gonna pray. John's gonna sing. When I say amen, stand up. And when you stand up, just stand up, coming, and we'll receive you gladly. In this place today father I pray in Jesus name you have your way in my heart and every heart in this place I pray oh God for a family to link with us today I thank you Lord for your love for us I pray God for that one that's felt ostracized God forgive us and help us do better forgive us Lord where we'd ever give the indicator that somebody's not welcome and I pray Lord people come today and say yes do you have your way get glory in every heart here lord we can't save us we can't save ourselves i can't save him but lord you can and i pray you'll do your work in hearts and lives of people here today in Jesus name amen